0: As many of you know, I, I like to hike, and uh, I, uh, it, I know in the wintertime it, I don't do well, but uh, most of the time I like to hike, and I enjoy that very much. But, you know, all of us have those weaknesses, and one of the weaknesses I have is a, an ankle, an ankle that just likes to all of a sudden, for no reason at all, just roll. And it just rolls, and i you know and it just you know just just bothers me to no end, and all of a sudden, the pain is is really bad, and I'm down sitting down somewhere at that point and and it's you know it's not long before I start to feel sick to my stomach because of the pain you've been there, you know what that's like, and then you know, and I can't think clearly, and all of that but it's just an ankle. It's just an ankle. It's all it is. And, and yet it affects me completely and fully. And de- depending on how, basically how severe it is, I can be done hiking for a while. It can so affect me that I'm finished and can't go out and do those things that I like to do. Now, it's a Somewhat minor part. I mean, I need it to walk, but it's not my heart or brain or something like that. And so I, you know, I certainly need it for that. But but it's not this major part that I I can't live without. If something happened, and yet it affects me so much that it just completely changes everything. Well, sometimes we forget that the weaker parts are the ones that really need to be encouraged. Sometimes we forget that we can cause a weaker brother to stumble or a weaker sister to stumble, and we think, well, that's just them. That's just them over there or it's their fault or whatever. And the truth of the matter is what we forget is that it affects the whole body. Every one of us is affected by that. And so when we come to this morning, we, we look at it in context of last week, And last week, if you remember, Paul was talking about the fact that we need not to argue over silly things or questionable things or things where we can own or have our own opinion. There shouldn't be a battle over that. That peace is precious. It's important that we hold on to that peace and that we need to strive for that. And we ought to be thankful for the peace and the unity that we have. But the truth is it's very precious and we need to hold on to it. And then he moves from there and he says, not only is it important not just to judge or not judge somebody because that's our our thought is let's not judge somebody as a different opinion. We're not talking about sin here. We're talking about opinion on certain things. Let's not judge them. But Paul moves beyond that. This week he begins to talk about not just not judging them but also being that person that's there to encourage them, to help them, to watch out for them, And the idea being in the passage this week is Paul says, as a mature believer in Christ, we need to come and we need to put our arm around them. We need to love them and we need to help those that are weaker in Christ. I think sometimes we forget because some of us have been on this road a very long time. Some of us have known Christ a awful long time, or tremendously long time, I should put it that way. And so sometimes we forget that there are those that are just starting out, that are those that are just beginning, if I can put it that way. And as a church of this size, we have people coming to know the Lord uh, fairly often, or people that are just new in Christ coming in, are just starting to develop, and we need to realize that they are weaker brothers, that they need to be encouraged, that they need to be brought along. And it's not just enough to say well they're weaker in Christ so we're just not going to judge them we're just going to let that go but more importantly than that it's more than that we need to come along and be very careful very careful that we help those Who are weaker? Help those who need to be brought along. Now, with that in mind, let's go to Romans chapter fourteen. We're going to pick it up at verse thirteen this morning. Romans chapter fourteen says, "Therefore, let us not pass judgment on the one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother." You see, he kind of brings those two ideas together. Therefore, let us not pass judgment any longer. Let's stop doing that. Let's stop arguing over opinions. Let's stop arguing over things that really don't matter. Let's not make a fuss of something that really doesn't matter. And in that sense, but more than that, let's even go farther than that now, but rather decide never by your actions to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother or sister in Christ. He says, hey, let's take that to the next level, which not just to ignore it, sort of, kind of, or just not, not judge it, But let's just take that to the next level, which is actually to act in a loving way. Verse 14 says, I know and am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean. For if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. Do not for the sake of food destroy the work of God. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats." It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. The faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats, because the eating is not from faith, for whatever does not proceed from faith is sin. Father, we ask your blessing as we look into your word this morning. And Father, I pray that we'd realize that we have a responsibility to one another, that the body is one. Paul talks about the body being one. And every part is important. And I can't say, well, that part's too young or that part's different or "I, I don't need you. The truth is we need every part. We need every part to be functioning fully and completely. But more than that, we need the mature parts, the parts that have been around for a while, who know you have walked the trail for a while, to be able to say, I need to help this one. It's not enough just not to judge or not to judge. We need to be more than that. We need to be encouraging. We need to make sure that our life is encouraging them by what we do and by what we say. And so this morning, Father, we pray your blessing on this time together as we look into your word. Help us to make sure, Father, that we're doing things that honor and glorify your name We thank you for the unity and the oneness, and we appreciate that very much. But today, Father, we want to move to that level of looking after one another, taking care of one another, watching our actions, that we encourage a younger brother or sister in Christ to walk with you. We ask your blessing now as we look into your word. In Jesus' name, amen. And so as I look at this passage this morning, then I realize what Paul's talking about then is this idea of not causing somebody else to stumble. The word actually is the idea of on a, a cage or a trap, the lever that kicks the trap. Don't, don't kick the lever, so to speak. Don't put that person in a position where they're now trapped or they begin to do things that aren't conducive to their Christian life. Make sure that what I'm doing is honoring and glorifying God and helping them along the way. It says, therefore, do not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never, this is the decision, to never, not once in a while, not now and then, but never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother or sister in Christ. And so the idea being then is I need to make sure that my actions really are encouraging younger brothers and sisters in Christ. The problem is that we come into this idea of the sense of I have my rights. I can do whatever I want. I can do it anytime I want. And we have this sense then in the body of Christ, unfortunately, of this idea of because I have freedom in Christ, I can do whatever I want. Now that is true to some degree. But when it interferes with a younger brother or sister, when I'm causing somebody else to stumble, that's when I've gone too far. Paul makes it clear that there's some things that really need to control our actions then. There's some things that really need to control the way we act and think and the considerations that we need to have. How does this affect somebody who's just starting out in Christ? How does it affect somebody else who's struggling? How does it affect somebody else who's looking up to me because I've been walking with the Lord for a number of years? Sometimes we forget that, that there are younger eyes that are looking. There are teenagers that are looking up to you, There are young eyes that are looking up to you, and without even realizing it, we have an opportunity to influence for the sake of God just by our actions. Uh, You know, it's amazing to me that sometimes that comes out and you realize that. I had a young man in my church in, in Main Street in Sackville, and he went off to the mission field. And when he went off to the mission field, I thought, well, I've given him a couple books to read, and I've tried to help him out and try to encourage him in that way. And I haven't done much, but, you know, he's out the mission field. And then when I read his write-up with ABWE, and the write-up with ABWE is how he got to the mission field. He had to give a bit of a testimony He talked about me. He talked about the influence I'd had. He talked about how I'd helped him to get to the field and all of these things. And I thought, I've really done nothing. And that young man was looking up to me whether I realized it or not. You see, young believers may be looking at you. Young believers may be looking at you and saying, I need to take my points or my guidance or my direction from them. And what he's saying here is we need to be careful that everything we do, Everything I suggest to you that we say does not cause a younger brother or sister in Christ to stumble. Our freedom says I can do whatever I want as long as it's not sin, not against the Bible. I have this freedom to do that. Uh, The Bible makes it absolutely clear that I can have a freedom in Christ. Nothing in and of itself is evil uh, in that sense. But I need to be careful in regards to those around me. You know, the internet is an amazing tool. It really is. It's an amazing thing. We have two different fiber-op units in here, and we've got a big uh, system in the school and a system over here, and they're wonderful and they're great when they're used for the right thing. They are wonderful. We we research things. I do biblical study on there. Uh, We purchase quite a bit of stuff through the internet. We do all of that. But that same internet that can be used for good can also be used for evil. And so it is with everything. When everything is used right and everything is used proper, then it is used for the building up of the body of Christ. But when I become more important than somebody else, when I become the center of everything, instead of looking out to the people around me and how can I build this part and look after this part, then things begin to fall apart. And all of a sudden, the Internet begins to be turned for selfishness. And the Internet begins to be turned for me, and it affects the whole body of Christ. We need to be so careful in that way. You see, I have a responsibility, and you have a responsibility to look after that younger brother. Not just to not judge them, but to look after them, to protect them. I have a sore elbow right now. And uh, I don't know. uh, When you get older, do more parts hurt? Is that how it works? The older you get, the more it hurts. So I'm, I'm pretty convinced of that, and uh, so I have this sore elbow, and I don't know why I have this sore elbow. It just, it's just sore. And I, and I walked into the bathroom the other day, and I banged against the casing with my elbow. Well, I want to tell you that hurts. That hurt big time. And I just, oh, the pain that was in that. Well, guess what? I realized that banging the casing with my elbow is not a good thing. So guess what? Next time I go into the bathroom, what do I do? I make sure I put my arm around the casing. What am I doing? I'm looking after that part. You see, that's the way the body of Christ is to be. You that are mature in Christ, you that think you're mature in Christ, let me go that part, you need to look after those. You need to be willing to set aside your rights and your privileges and those things Because that younger brother, honestly, is far more important than you. Why? Because everybody else in the body of Christ, if done properly, is more important than me. That's the way it is. I need to be thinking about them. I need to be acting in that way. Now, Paul gives us some really, really encouraging things here about how to walk. How do I keep from from interfering or causing my weaker brother to stumble he tells us three things number one he says we are to walk in love walk in love verses 14 to 16 uh, go on and say I know and I am persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself but is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean for if your brother is grieved by what you eat you are no longer walking in love By what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. So uh, do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. He gives us three ways here that we know that we're not walking in love. If we're causing these things to happen, then we know we're not walking in love. Number one, he says, I know I'm not walking in love. I'm causing my brother to be grieved. He says, if I'm causing my brother to be grieved, or if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you're no longer walking in love. You remember the situation? Uh, the idea was that there were people that said, hey, I can, eat. I can eat meat offered to idols. That's not a problem. And others were offended by that. And so even though the person who was eating meat, Paul says, don't eat it. Even though you can from a spiritual point of view, even though you can from a sin point of view, if I can put it that way, it's not sin. Don't eat it because you want to be concerned about that other one. Now, the word grieved here means sorrow or hurt. And you can actually, in the body of Christ, hurt somebody by your freedom. I've got this freedom. I can do whatever I want. But what Paul's saying is we ought to be so aware of that weaker part. We ought to be so aware of that weaker part that I'd be willing to give up something if I thought it really offended or hurt somebody else. And so Paul's saying that one way that we can tell that we're not acting in love is the fact that we are now grieving somebody, grieving a younger person in Christ, grieving a younger person in that way. And So we need to be careful that we're not just doing that because it's my freedom but because we're thinking about who it affects. Number two, I can cause my brother to be destroyed. So he even goes to the next level here, not just grieve, not just uh, grieve in the sense of sorrow or hurt, but I can actually destroy somebody. He says, he goes on, he says, by what you eat, do not destroy the one for whom Christ died. And so he goes on from that and he says, be careful because what you eat, what you decide to eat because it's your freedom, now can actually destroy and the word destroy is very strong here. It's not just like, oh, you know, just turn somebody off. It means to utterly destroy, utter destruction. And so what he's saying here then is I need to be careful with what I do because I can bring a believer, not that they can lose their salvation but I can bring a believer to a place where they're not growing in Christ, where their walk with Christ has been turned off. And they look and they say, hey, that person does that, and they do this, and that's wrong. And, and so I just don't see any reason to keep growing and moving on with Christ. And he's saying if we're acting out of love, then we'll be careful with that. We'll be careful that we don't uh, grieve somebody. We'll be careful we don't destroy somebody. Can you imagine how awful that would be? If we found out that we destroyed somebody, that's the word that Paul's using, not me, but this idea of destroying somebody because of my exercising freedom or I think I can do this or I think I can do that. And I think it's sad when believers say that I'm more important than other believers. I'm going to do what I want. And Paul says, come along, look after them, protect them, take care of them in that way. Number three, causing my brother to speak evil of my actions. That's the third way that I know I'm not walking in love. Verse 16 says, so do not let what you regard as good be spoken of as evil. All of a sudden, it's turned around. You think, oh, that's fine. I can do that. And Paul says one of the ways that we need to be careful is that it's not being turned around and bringing blasphemy or people speaking out against God. The word actually means slander. And somebody who looks at that and says, well, you're just doing whatever you want or you seem to have this freedom is now being turned around. The people are going and slandering you and slandering God for some freedom that you have that may not even be necessary. So time many times we think, hey, I've got that right and I've got that freedom. I want to do that. But if it's causing a brother or sister in Christ to be grieved, if it's causing a brother or sister in Christ to be destroyed, Paul's words, very strong, or it's causing somebody to speak against God and against the church and against me and my walk with Christ, then I need to be careful with that. And So, yes, I do have freedoms. And, you know, I'm not talking about this idea of of these rules to legalism, but I am talking about this idea of the freedoms that I have, that I, by choice, not because I'm being told, but I, by choice, because I love others in the body of Christ, will do all that I can to make sure that I'm walking in love. The second thing that he says that helps determine if we're hurting a brother or a weaker brother or sister, causing them to stumble, is to make sure that I'm not doing that. I need to be walking in wisdom. I'm going to put the word maturity there with it. Because I really think that wisdom and maturity go hand in hand. In verses 17 to 21, he talks about that. He says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by man. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. When I look at this, I'm reminded that there are certain things that are indicators of wisdom. There's certain things that tell me that I've got this figured out and I'm walking in a way that honors God, especially in respect to that weaker brother. The first one is by understanding my priority in Christ. The first way that I have wisdom is understanding. If you want to do a test and say, where am I I in Christ? Measure yourself against these. Ask yourself that question. How do I know that I'm walking in maturity? I'm walking in wisdom. First, do you understand that your priority in Christ, your priority in Christ. Look at verse 17. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Right off, he says, it's more important than what you eat or drink. It's more important than this right to eat meat offered to idols or, or wine or whatever. He said, this is something more important than that. They're just temporal things. They're not going to last. What's more important is righteousness and peace and joy. And when I think about that, I think about righteousness. That's my testimony. The righteousness of telling others about Christ and Christ's righteousness coming to them through salvation. And he says, don't you get it that just eating and drinking, yeah, there are things we need to do. And we have our liberty in that But what's more important is this idea of my witness to others. Secondly, he says peace. And in that context, he's talking about peace in the body of Christ. Peace in the body of Christ. What's interesting, it's not up to the immature or the young or the weaker brother to promote that, it's up to the mature. I think it should bother us when a mature believer says, Well, I'm going to do this, and I don't really care. That's my right. I've got a right to do that. And 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 you can't tell me I can't. That should bother us right off because it tells us here that a mature believer understands that eating and drinking and these kind of things really don't matter. What really matters is righteousness. What really matters is peace maintained in the body of Christ. And then I love this, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Joy in the Holy Spirit when there's a relationship with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is dwelling within me, then there is a joy that is there. And more than that, there is a joy that is spread to other people. And as I walk in God, as I spend time thinking about what's most important, the priority in my life, I realize that they are things of righteousness, peace, and joy. So what's your priority what's really important to you. You know what they say, the thing that you spend the most time with is the thing that's most important to you. So if that's the TV or if that's pursuing whatever it might be, that's where you're really at. It's a great way to measure yourself. Number two, by understanding my position in Christ. Notice he goes on and he says this, whoever thus serves Christ is acceptable to God and approved by men. The word served here carries with it the idea of servant even to the point of slave. Bondservant is the idea that's there. Now what's interesting about this is today we have this idea of this is my right, this is my privilege, this is my whatever it might be, and I'm going to do it and you can't tell me I can't and da-da-da-da, and I hear some of that. The truth of the matter is we are servants of Christ. Nowhere ever, has there been a slave or a servant that gets to go to the master and say, this is what I'm going to do? You can't tell me I can't do this. I'm going to do my own thing. I want to do this, and this is my right in that way. The truth of the matter is if Christ is in our life, we have no rights. We have no rights in the spiritual sense. We have no rights. He is the master. He determines He tells us what we need to do. He's the one we need to follow after. And according to this passage, it's not about me. It's about others around me in the body of Christ. And so when I understand not only my priority, which is righteousness, peace, and joy, but understand my position in Christ, which is of a servant and a bondservant, that he comes first, it makes it so much easier. I can lift others up around me. I can look out for their best interests. I can make sure that they're not hitting the casing, as it were, that when they're hurting, I'm there for them. I'm encouraging them. I'm strengthening them because that's what, guess what, the master would have us do. I don't know about you, but I want to be in a church like that. One of the fears I have about retiring is I have to leave this church. That's not really a fear because God will take us somewhere else. But I love you, and I love being with you, and I love the oneness and the unity that we have here. Not every church has that, but that will only be maintained as we look after each other. That will only be maintained that when when one part of us hurts, that we say, okay, let me consider that. I'd be foolish to say, well, I'm going to go hiking anyway because that's my right even though my ankle is killing me, even though my whole body is hurting because of it, I'd be absolutely silly to do that. And yet sometimes that's exactly what we do in the body of Christ. We are to love one another. We are to care about one another. And even if it means that I have to give up something I like or even love for somebody else, That's exactly what I need to do. Why? Because that's what my master would have me do. That's the way it works. And then the third thing is understanding my purpose in Christ, verses 19 to 21. He goes on and he says, So then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding. What's my purpose? To pursue. And the word is to hunt. That's the idea, to hunt after, not just, well, I hope I find it. No, it's to actively go after, to hunt after, to seek after it. So then let us pursue what makes for peace and mutual upbuilding. What brings about peace in the body of Christ is saying, okay, what I want isn't the most important. What somebody else needs is far more important than that. It's the idea of pursuing it for peace and for mutual upbuilding, lifting each other up, doing all that we can in that way, lifting one another up in that way in that regards to that. And that comes about as I love each other and care about each other. And so what I end up having is this idea of these are my my rights, these are what I want to do, and this is the love of Christ, and this is what Christ wants me to do. And the love of Christ has to come over top of that. And when the love of Christ becomes what my motivation is, when the love of Christ becomes what causes me to do that, then at that point I'm walking in maturity with Christ. I remember hearing a statement about maturity from a fellow believer one time. Great statement. He said, maturity is knowing when. Maturity is knowing when. Maturity is knowing when when not to do something or when to do something or understand that. And so it's important in that way. I suggest to you that maturity and wisdom walk hand in hand. You cannot be mature in Christ unless you are wise, and you cannot be wise unless you are mature. And so it's something we need to pursue. Understanding my priority, understanding my position, and understanding my my purpose in Christ, my priority to build up the body of Christ, to tell others, to maintain peace, to bring joy. My priority, the idea of of this pursuing after the fact that Jesus, in my position I should say Jesus is my master and my purpose in Christ, the idea of building up. Notice he goes on in verse 20, it says, Do not for the sake of food destroy the works of God. (laughs) Do not for, for your own rights, for what you think you can do for your own freedom, destroy the works of God. Paul says, hey, it's possible to destroy not only a fellow believer, but to even destroy your church when you demand what I want as being right. I I have freedom. I can do this. I can do that. Everything is indeed clean, but it is wrong for anyone to make another stumble by what he eats. It is good not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything that causes your brother to stumble. Now, there may be a number of things that are in this list and, and there may be things that I wouldn't even think of. But, you know, sin's not the issue because we all know where that is. But someone may say, well, you know, I think I have freedom to do whatever it might be. And and for us, it would be a different. list. Some people would say, I can go to whatever movie I want. Others say, you can't go to movies. Some may say, well, I can eat whatever I want. Others say, you can't. Others may say, I can drink wine or whatever it is. And biblically, you can. But others may say, I can't. And Paul's saying, Whatever it is, whatever it is, don't decide on what it is you want. Don't decide on what it is good for you. Don't decide on the basis of your rights and your privileges or even your freedom, but decide on the basis of love. Look out for one another. Take care of one another. Love each other in our priority, our position, and our purpose in Christ. So love is the first one. The second one that we look at here is the idea of wisdom. The third one is walk in faith. We need to walk in faith. Verses 22 to 23, and, and sometimes I think, you know, you wonder where I come up with these outlines. A lot of times it's just based on a single word. Verse 22 is the faith that you have. Keep, believe to yourself, keep between yourself and God. And then down at the end of verse 22, uh, because the eating is not from faith, or whoever does not proceed from faith is sin. So the idea being then that there's a sense of, of faith. And how do I walk in faith? Well, there's three ways that he mentions. First, confidentially. You think, what are you talking about here, confidentially? It seems the opposite of what we should be talking about. But it says here, it says, verse 22, the faith that you have, keep between yourself and God. What's he talking about there? He's saying, hey, keep it confidential. What do you mean? He said, well, you say, I have a freedom to do so and so, and I feel that I can do that. And you know that's fine, but he says keep it between you and God. Do that privately. Don't impose that on somebody else. And what even becomes worse than this idea of exercising my freedom at the expense of somebody else is when I think that everybody else ought to. I begin to impose that on somebody else. And it, well, if you don't do this, then, then you're you're not being free in Christ. That's the opposite of this. He says keep it privately. If you feel that you can drink wine, if you feel that that's okay, then that's all right, but do it privately. Keep that between you and Christ. If you feel you can eat certain food or you can do whatever, do it privately. Don't flaunt that or even make somebody else feel guilty because they can't. It's a faith that you have between yourself and God. Keep it there between yourself and God. That's between you and him, and if you have a good conscience over it, then that's fine. You're allowed to do that. The second thing that we walk in faith is compassionately. Everything I do needs to be with this idea of compassion. Blessed is the one who has no reason to pass judgment on himself for what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats because of the eating is not from faith. He said, I need to walk compassionately and letting the, the love rule over my relationship with others. Making sure that love rules in that way, that I make the right decisions in regard to what I do or what faith I have. And so I can have faith to do certain things, but love pulls me back and allows me to act in a way that is honoring to the Lord. And then finally, number three, correctly. The key to pleasing God is to walk in faith, to put God first in our lives, to put others second and then third. Us third. So put God first, others second, us third. The problem we get into is when we get that turned around. And sometimes we get this idea that I'm first, I'm the one that comes there. And he says, No, no, we need to keep God first in our lives. That's maturity. And then this idea of others are second. And then guess where I come down? I come down on number three, and if I can keep that priority in my relationship with others in the body of Christ, it's, it's, not, it's a no-brainer at that point. The minute I begin to put God first and just put him there, and I think, okay, I am a servant of Christ, and I'm going to reach out to those around me, and I'm going to do that, and then I begin to put others second, and I begin to build up the body of Christ, then I just naturally go to the third but, oh, that old flesh just loves to put us at the top. I want it my way. It's about what I want. I, I want this or I want that. And that's the exact formula that you need for destruction. The formula that we need for encouragement is to put others first in that way and not get that mixed up. You see, every part of the body is important. <laughs> you know, I can tell you that because... Every now and then I stump my big toe in the middle of the night. You've never done that, right? When you hit that thing on the bedpost. I want to tell you something. That little tiny part owns me at that moment. I am hopping around and guess what? It, you know, it's not only me that is affected. My wife will wake up at that moment. The neighbor probably wakes up at that moment. I mean, it's ah, you know, and it's It hurts, but I am to love and to care and to look after that part and every part. Let's get this straight, folks. There's no unimportant parts. They may not look like me. They may not walk like me. And quite frankly, some people can be a pain in the neck They're very needy at times. But that does not give us any license to treat them less. We are to love them. We are to care about them. We are to be concerned about them. Because guess what? Biblically, when they hurt, we hurt. When they're broken, we're broken. And we are to love them so much that we're willing to lay down whatever our rights are, whatever our privileges are, to put them first, to love them, to be concerned about them. It's not easy. We need to look to God for help. We need to look to Jesus to help us out, to give us a hand, to help us in that way. We need to look to God for the help that we need in regards to that. And so as we think about that, we, we think about the fact that we need help in that way. And so Paul says, we are one body and we are many parts, but one body is what we are. And every part is important and every part is needed. And so when one part of my body hurts, my whole body hurts because I am one. Again, if I hurt one part, the whole part hurts. And yet it is important that I put others first. Now, let's say I have a stomach problem. I do, but besides that, you know, I, I don't really notice my stomach too much. I know you notice it. I, I understand that. Uh, someone said, you know, watch your weight. I said, I keep it right there where I can see it. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I work, work hard at that. You know, I look after that. But no, basically, I don't notice that. But I'll tell you something. I have a stomach that doesn't like tomatoes. It just It's the acid or something. It just doesn't like that. And you know, guess what? I, I have a freedom to eat tomatoes. I really do. I have no problem with that. I, I, I have a freedom to do that. I even have a right to eat tomatoes. I, can, I pay for them. They're mine. I, I have a right to do that. I can have all I want. I even like the taste of tomatoes. I enjoy tomatoes. So there's no problem. Except what? Guess what? My stomach hurts. And so I choose not to eat Tomatoes. Why? Because when my stomach hurts, we all hurt. We're all in pain. And so every part of me pays the price when I do that. So you see, I can eat, I can drink, I can do whatever I want as long as it's not biblical against the Bible or sin. But I choose not to because I don't want to hurt somebody I love. In Christ so ask yourself have I allowed my freedom my rights if you want to put it that way my liberty to hurt a fellow sister or brother in Christ have I done that am I doing that is that really that important that I have to hold on to that is it really that important that I need to keep a hold of that thing? Paul says, eating, drinking, so what? What difference does it make? Let it go. Why? Because there's someone who is more important than you're right. Love must reign. Love must be over everything that we build up the body of Christ and love one another. If I walk in love, if I walk in wisdom, maturity, and if I walk in faith, my purpose in christ and the welfare of those in the body become more important to me than the freedom i have that's not legalism it's not legalism in the sense of why you've made all these no i'm asking you to police yourself to let love reign to as you love let love reign then you'll begin to automatically care about the big toe that hurts the ankle that hurts the arm that hurts Whatever it may be, they will become important in your life as you put God first, others second, and you last. Father, I thank you so much for your word this morning. And some of us, this needs to be a time of confession. Because even if we're not doing something that would be, well, maybe offensive, maybe it's just been our attitude. And Father, we've really not had a good attitude towards other believers. Yeah, are there people that are a pain in the neck? Yep. Are there people that are struggles and difficulties? Are there younger believers that it would just be easier if we didn't have to consider? Yep, that's, that's probably true. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to love one another. We're called to care about one another. We're called to lay down our wants and our desires and our selfishness and to lift them up, to build up the body of Christ. I can't imagine anything that would be more attractable to the world around us than a group of believers that are doing just that. And so help us to care, to love, to lift one another up, to really be deeply, honestly concerned more about them than we are about us. For some of us, it is true. There's some things that we're doing that we have just said, I don't care what anybody thinks, I'm going to do it need to think is that really right need to pray about that who am I affecting by this how am I hurting somebody and ask ourselves those questions laying down our rights laying down me and my selfishness and looking to Christ help me father help us to operate out of a heart of love that reaches out to this body in your name we pray I'm